Laura, what are we doing September 25th? Oh, we're going to Next On Scene Media's Guide to a Better Lifestyle Cocktail Party and Trade Show. Oh, and it's going to be quite a night. Mm -hmm. There's going to be all kinds of wellness events for us. We're going to have a cocktail party. We're going to have vendors with wellness issues going on. We're going to have a fashion show. show. I don't know what the fashion show is going to be, but I can't wait. Maybe I'll walk in it. Oh, it'll be great. So... That's going to be on September 25th from 7 to 10. We would love to see you there at the Aloft Boston Seaport District. Mm -hmm. You can buy tickets on any of our social media websites, and 5% of each ticket sale will be going to the Cape Ann Animal Rescue. And if you use the code um, SCRUBS, S-C-R-U-B-S, at checkout, you'll get a discount on your ticket price. Hope Hope to see see you there. It'll be a great time. Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another wonderful episode of Scissors and Scrubs. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure we're going to make this one a two-parter. Yes. It's going to be a crazy good episode. We're going to enjoy it. A lot. Yep. Um, before we get into the details of the episode, I just want to cover, we just came off the vaccine episode, um, which is strangely silent. I'm not hearing a lot on that episode of you. No, I actually haven't heard a yeah. lot. Of I know people are just kind of like, they don't want to, I don't know. Everybody holds their opinions. Yes, exactly. Because yeah. Except for me, apparently. I can't hold my own opinions. But on that episode, one of my girlfriends mm-hmm. texted me, Rebecca, and she was saying that she was speaking to her mom and she doesn't, she didn't want to tell her mom to listen to the episode because her mom can't handle swearing. No. She's like, mm-hmm. one F word, my mother would lose her mind. So she's like, I was saying to my mom, um, they were talking and her mother said, do you remember that couple that we took care of? The, the husband had polio when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. and she was like, yeah, she's like, well, like it came back. The polio came back 15 years after he had it. And I don't know why that came up in conversation, but she's like, I had never heard of polio coming back. She said, and then I listened to your episode and she was like, mom, mom, you're not going to believe I was just That's talking. She's like, I was talking quote unquote <laughs> to these two nurses and they had mentioned about the polio. She's like, I had never heard of that. And I felt so smart. Like, oh, I knew, I knew all about yeah. it. Um, I had never heard of that either. I had never heard of that. I still can't believe the fact that, like, you go through that disease and the chances of you getting it back are high. Yeah. Um, Speaking of people, not wanting people to listen because we swear. Uh oh. (laughs) So I go to the middle school back to school night for the parents. And I'm sitting in the classroom, you know, and they ask Mm -hmm. you which one's your kid. And I said, Sam. And they were like, she's like, oh, I subscribed to your podcast this morning. I was like, the teacher? Uh huh. I was oh. like, what? Oh. And she's like, yeah, he told me. I was talking oh, to them. Like, Sam, I get up, I listen to a podcast, good... and Sam says, oh, you should listen to my mother's podcast, Scissors and Scrubs. And she's like, so I subscribed this morning. I was like, oh, my God. And I'm like, I am, I'm like, I, I'm covering my face. I'm like, oh, my God. And now I know, like, a few of the parents yeah. in the class, and they're like, what? And I'm like, oh. Oh, so they didn't know you were doing this either. I think, no, Sam had also told them, but they didn't know if he was serious or not, so. Just making this shit up as you go yeah, along. Yeah, so I was like, okay, well, there's, um, I mean, this language, so maybe don't. <laughs> it's explicit. Don't judge me on that, you know. She's like, oh, no, I don't care about that. I'm like, okay, make sure there's no children in the car, baby. Oh, all my girlfriends are like, um, yes, I can listen to it, but I don't listen to the car with my kids. And I'm like, oh, really? Because well, my kids listen to it. <laughs> I mean, my kids have heard it. I'm a bad mother, though. We already know this. They hear so. us talk all the time. <laughs> mother of the year is not the award I'm getting. No. Um, so I'll be judged on that now. Well, hopefully she'll like it and tell all our teacher friends. Because, you know, technically, you do learn something. Every time. Technically. Yeah. Um, so this episode, mm-hmm. I am super duper schmooper pooper excited about. Because um, we're huge Mindhunter fans. Yes. If you we're do, huge 
True crime. Like true this crime. is we bonded over true crime. Right. We really did. So if you have no idea what Mindhunter is, it's um, a series on Netflix, mm-hmm. and it talks about the beginnings of um, profiling, criminal profiling, mm-hmm. with the original criminal profilers, um, John Douglas. Is it Ron Wrestler? I know the last name's Wrestler, but I always want to call him John, Ken, Joe. I think it's Ron Wrestler, because sure. I think he has one of those, like, my name. Mm-hmm. And um, Ann Burgess, Professor mm-hmm. Ann Burgess. Mm-hmm. In the show, their names are different. And Professor Ann Burgess, the character of Wendy Carr, is based on her. Mm-hmm. And she's just awesome. She's just awesome. She brings organization to... And, like, scientific method. Right. So that... To the, the profiling. The profiling they can, they're doing it can actually be um, studied in a right way. Because you can get all these interviews, but you have to have standards of why things are done. You know, like... I don't know, quantitative studies. Yes. You need to be able to do quantitative studies. I don't even know where I just pulled that out of. That was, but I'm, I surprised. That I'm shocked and surprised. Nursing 101 <laughs> way back. So we got to interview her. Um, Ann Burgess. Our silent, sometimes not so silent partner, Mike, was like, listen, you guys should interview her. And I was like, yeah, she's going to talk to us. Yeah, okay. And we were all like, well, you know what? What's the worst that you're going to say? No. So we um, emailed her. She said, sure, come on in. Mm-hmm. And I was like a kid at Christmas going into that yeah. interview. It was awesome. So she is quite a woman yes. to meet. Um, and I could have stayed with her for a good three years mm-hmm. and just picked her brain about any serial killer she's ever talked to mm-hmm. in her entire life. Mm-hmm. So the interview is kind of like the podcast. It goes all over the place. <laughs> we start with her nursing career. We talk about the Atlanta child murders. We're somewhere in the OR with abusive doctors. We're all over the place. I found the interview very interesting. I played it for Brian, and he doesn't have much of an attention span. He loved it. <laughs> so um, I thought it was interesting. Right. So I I'm going to awesome. give you a brief um, little thing. She really goes into more her history of how she got into it, but it I'm just going to give you a little brief history on who she is. Mm-hmm. Then you can listen to the interview. And then we're going to talk about, I don't know how much you guys are going to like the cases we talk about. We're going to talk about some of the cases that she helped profile and yes. set protocols for. So Ian Burgess has her doctorate in psychiatric nursing from Boston University. So she initially went, um, I think, to the University of Maryland. She's going to tell you in the interview. Yeah. But she's one of the first, I mean, women didn't get their doctorates in the 70s like she did. Mm-hmm. So in 1970, she, along with Linda Holstrom, started one of the first hospital-based crisis counseling programs for rape victims at Boston City Hospital. Mm-hmm. And you're talking at a time when if you were raped, women were... It was your fault. 100% right. your fault no you one were raped. Re- really reported it or anything because right. it was just... Nobody sided with you. you. Women, you just didn't get convictions. So the program allowed Burgess and Holstrom to research rape victimology, and they wrote a groundbreaking paper on rape trauma syndrome, describing its symptoms and how to talk to victims. Mm -hmm. So around this time, she also writes an article, The Rape Victim in the ER, and she's going to tell you how that article gets her involved with the um, FBI, and that's what led her to work with the FBI. Her work with the FBI included um, talking and teaching rape victimology and eventually led her to work with serial killers in prisons. Mm -hmm. She also conducted research in child abuse, elder sexual abuse, kidnapping, cyber crimes, military sexual trauma, and um, campus sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. She currently is still teaching at Boston College. Mm -hmm. 
And meeting her, I felt like I was right back in nursing school where she was like, you guys should talk about this. I'm like, okay. She's like, you should, you should do this case. Yep, we will. Yep, That's yep. what I'm doing now. Yep. <laughs> we had a different one, but I'll do that. We had one. this whole other thing we were going to talk to around her. And then she's like, no, I think you should do this. We're like, okay. Yep, sure. sure. She's like, you should might want to look at this conference. She's like, yep, we're going. Yep, we're there. <laughs> Sign us up. <laughs> exactly. So um, this is going to lead you into the interview. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Mm-hmm. And we'll meet you on the other side. For us, it's a big deal. <laughs> I get my hat. I go get a bonnet. Yeah. A skirt. Well, we're going to ask you about your nursing hat because I'd love to hear all the nursing uniforms from school. And, you know, a lot of the nurses we worked with, they were always telling us they nursing school yeah, stories. Yeah, I did nursing when you wore a cap. The, yeah. And a white uniform. Mm-hmm. And long sleeves that had to be starched. Oh, my God. God. Yeah, I would have been, walked around like this. Yeah, very <laughs> comfortable. My daughter wanted me to iron something this morning. Like, fine. Let alone starch in my hat. Forget it. Um, okay, so since we are on a time frame, I know you have class and we don't want to keep it too long. So we're going to ask you first, how did you decide nursing was what you were going to do? Well, at the the time I went, uh, I was deciding a career. You had to, in my family, you had to pick a college. So so I thought of the college first and then what you were going to major in. And I had uh, three uncles that were doctors and I had uh, two aunts that were nurses. So healthcare was pretty primary in the family and they were just coming out with the four-year program, which I thought was good. I didn't want to do five years. It seemed like so long. (laughs) So, um, and BU, Boston University, had the four-year program and so I applied and I was one of 43 were in our when we no but we only graduated 26 and Uh they I'll never forget they sang to us look to your right and look to your left only one of you is going to be left Uh it's funny they still use that line they still use it yeah yeah yeah. so but we did graduate uh 26 do you mind me asking when you graduated when, what year? Yeah. Uh, 58. That's right. My mother graduated high school in 58. Yeah. So that's 58. a tough time to become in a nursing. Yeah. Well, you're, you're learning two things, that or teaching. Right. So. That's what she said. Oh, secretary. Yeah, the yeah you could be a secretary. Yeah, I, didn't, I never could spell. <laughs> <laughs> we are on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when you got out of nursing school, how did you choose the field of nursing? We were surgical techs, so OR was a given. Well, that was because my psychiatric nursing instructor, when I had the, we did three months mm-hmm. at that time in every specialty, and, and she said to me, she said, Penny, that's the, the name I went by then before I got a big girl, <laughs> is, um, she said, I think you'd be good in psych. Why don't you apply for your master's? Mm-hmm. And that was it? That was it. Did you ever work in like psych facilities as a nurse before you went? Yeah, to I worked at Newton Wellesley in O B G Y N. Yeah, um, the, uh, just O B, just O B. Yeah, I did that the summer I graduated, and then I went right for my master's. All right. So now, yeah. how did you? You have some questions. I'm occupied. How did I? Because I could talk to her. Well, we were, how did it? How did your psych nursing, the masters in psych, evolve into what you do now? Well, my psych program in master's was at the University of Maryland, which was good because it's very different. And they were using what they, the Sylvanian <laughs> theory, I guess mm-hmm. I would say. In, in Massachusetts, it was all psychoanalytic. Mm-hmm. So I was really steeped in the psychoanalytic. So this was something different. He was much more into the interpersonal 
kind of thing. So I was really getting a, a second, and I had to uh, do my clinical in a state hospital. Mm -hmm. What was that like? Which was really something. Um, in those days, they weren't medic. I mean, they just, it was like this big room, all these patients. Yeah. And I'll never forget one of my first experiences. We were told, now you have to make a relationship. You spend time and you just, mm -hmm. you're right with the patient. So there's this one woman, and she was up and down the hall, up and down. So I thought, oh, I'm going to try to establish this relationship <laughs> with her. So I go up and down the hall with her, up, you know, and I'm in my uniform, yeah. my hat. <laughs> I'm an RN, <laughs> a real nurse. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. A real nurse. And so we're going up and down, and finally she turns to me and she said, you goddamn redheaded bitch, what are you following me for? <laughs> Heartbroken. Oh my! Well, so I must not be doing this right. <laughs> so, when you were in those facilities, do you did you see treatments back then that you think like I can't believe we did that to people? No, I didn't see any no. treatments. Did, or what was the? They didn't do anything. They just Yeah, they would. You'd had you went for your medicines. You had to go to the nurses station and she, you know look mm -hmm. at your name. And I don't even think they check, check name tags. And just give them a handful of pills. Yeah, I mean, it was this is a state hospital in Maryland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, no, but uh, if you're thinking about, like, the water therapy that they would do, they put them in these baths. I didn't see any of that. ECT and ECT. They had it, but I didn't see it. Yeah. yeah, and they were starting to do away with it. I was more into nursing, but I was in with a six-foot-four guy. I was like, yep, talking about this. If he yeah. loses it, I'm done. Yeah, yeah. How did that evolve into you working with um, the FBI? Okay, then, okay, so I got my master's, and then I came back to Boston. My husband was in the service. He was a, um, a ROTC. Mm -hmm. So he did his thing uh, in the Air Force. We came back to Boston because he got a job. It was a computer company. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I wanted to get my doctorate. Now, this time, they had this new doctorate program. <laughs> you just hit <laughs> it right at the right time. <laughs> Boston University. And so I, they had hired me to do some part-time work at BU. And in the process, the dean says to me, we've got this extra stipend. You want to come for your doctorate? Done. There I was. Done. Where do I sign? Yeah. So that was, uh, that was uh, you know, it's being at the right place at the right time. That's all I no have to say. I, no other claim to fame except just being at the right place. So anyway, I got... Well, you took advantage of it, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You knew I mean, I could have said no. Yeah. yeah, you took advantage of it. So, but that is where it was June Mello was the theorist behind it. And she she had this, you know, you had the, that relationship again to <laughs> form with the patient and to take these terribly... Um, psychotic uh, patients and bring them out you know, mm -hmm. all that well, that's, a, that's a challenge yeah yeah so mm -hmm. that's that's what i did yeah and so and, that involved working with but i did it at mass mental health center which was okay. really good because they had all disciplines psychiatrists uh, interns psychiatrists yeah. psychologists nurses probably social work mm -hmm. and that so you had and it was a teen thing and they would do these teaching uh, kinds of uh, situations. So that was really important that mm -hmm. I learned that. And I actually do still do that today where I'll take a group of students, we'll bring in a patient mm -hmm. and in front of the group interview them, show them how to interview and kind of the practical part, the how-to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they yeah. didn't do with me on that relationship thing. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so that was, um, <laughs> so that got me back to Boston. Mm -hmm. And then I started teaching in, here at Boston College. 
and I like doing things in other with other disciplines. And mm -hmm. so I was asked to be part of a interdisciplinary team, teaching team on healthcare. And in there, I met Linda Holmstrom, mm -hmm. who was a uh, assistant professor. I was assistant professor over in sociology, and her area was health health sociology or something, mm -hmm. medical sociology. And at the end of that, she said she wanted to talk to me about some projects again, you know. <laughs> so I sat down with her and she had these three projects. I can remember two of them. I forget what the third one was. But the first one was on rape. Mm -hmm. And she said, it's going to be a problem that's going to come out. Women are, are really uh, putting pressure on to this rape. And I thought, I haven't heard anything about rape. Uh, all I heard was psychoanalytic. What is that? What's what the women wear? And it's that they, they are provocative. Right. So I said, if you're hearing something else, I'd really be interested. So I teamed up with her. We got access into Boston City Hospital oh, wow. because my psychiatric nursing instructor was there. Oh, right place at the right time. <laughs> but that's important for your for the young nurses to know is that you use your network. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I had gone to other hospitals in Brigham, Mass General, all the biggies, and they all said the same thing. Oh, it's a good idea, and but <laughs> you, we have to get medicines approval. Oh. Yeah. Annie Hargraves didn't say that. She said, "This is nursing. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know who you are. I know you'll be good to the to the victims. You can come in." That's a very hot subject to talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you, um, so yep. as trauma nurses, we have a, you know, you take these stories home with you. You come mm -hmm. here and you see a kid and it's, I'm home trying to take care of my kids, but my mind's with that. Sure. How do you cover, cover I can't even say the word. Well, compartmentalize? Uh, yes, compartmentalize. Well, but we, we're taught that. We're taught that in just our basic, I mean, you go into an operating room, mm -hmm. my goodness, you see all kinds of. Uh, horrific things, I'm sure, and yet you do your work. So you right. compartmentalize. We use a lot of humor, though, like even when it's brewing. Oh, we use humor, we're too. Yeah. You know, we're dropping, it's, and people who aren't in the field don't understand that, yeah. but we're cracking jokes, and it's the only way sometimes I can oh, yeah. release well, it. Well, the, the FBI agents do the same thing. Uh, you go into John Douglas's office, and he's got a skull sitting right on his, right here. Mm -hmm. And he's watching to see what you're looking at, and if you're going to say anything, you know, your yeah. reaction. He also reaction. has a blue tool um, evening gown oh. hanging from his <laughs> coat rack. I want to know if he wore it around everyone. <laughs> or who wore it. Yeah. And you know what the joke was. You can just figure out who was head of the FBI. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, those are just some of the things. And, and that you have to have humor. And the, the yeah. stuff, the work they ha had looking at these crime scenes. You know, I can't imagine. Pretty, yeah. I can't imagine, especially but but to, to answer your question, but we had, I had seen so much in nursing, that looking at a crime scene, right. it's like you looking at somebody coming right. into the operating room. For me, I think it's the stories, like to hear the woman, the the rape victims, like what they went yeah. through, and then nobody believes them, or they it's what you were. Well, that would make me angry. See that yeah, that's what we're, so... right, you get energized, at, and we saw 146 people that whole first year. We That's were called lot. in every time, and we were working full-time jobs. Right. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, you're kind of groggy right. giving a lecture because you've been up with, with the victim all night. But 
we, we weren't seeing any results. We weren't seeing any, there's no changes. We had a handful of convictions, a handful. That's just on one hand mm -hmm. out of 146. So to get me down to the FBI came about because all of a sudden the, the convergence of the women's groups were putting pressure on the congressmen to do something about it, and that's where the rape crisis centers were starting. Okay. And they had in those days, the I didn't sit in on any, but Linda had what they call consciousness raising. And you'd go to this meeting, and it would be all kinds of women from all walks of life, and they would just tell these stories that were horrific stories, and it was really generating. And so they, they're saying, what can we do? Well, we got, they said, well, police have to do a better job. So police were getting pressure. They were putting pressure on Congress that's the only way I realized that you get a lot of response mm -hmm. out of um, out of the really higher ups in mm -hmm. in the um, government, and so William Webster was the head of the FBI, and he started hearing this and he said we got to do something. FBI trains law enforcement, okay. so they were the FBI Academy, which was kind of a new new group, got the orders that they had to have rape child abuse, right. you know, all, all of the uh, interpersonal crimes. And so they didn't know anything about it. Wow. <laughs> they didn't know anything. They did bank robberies, <laughs> right. you know. They don't do rape. Right. Yep. So, um, and, well, and as you said. makes so much sad, sense why they would reach out to you. Well, no, they didn't know about me. How would they know about me? No, but reach out to people who were dealing with it. Well, the way it happened <laughs> is, again... Roy Hazelwood was the was the lead guy. Um, I got Roy around. We've done five books on rape investigation. But anyway, he was the one targeted. He got it right and do these courses. So he's out doing a road show out in Los Angeles with LAPD. And after the classes, they're sitting around the, you know, the rascal are having their beers. And he said, I just got this assignment that I have to teach rape. <laughs> and and who knows anything about it? And so this one detective, Rita Connect, raises her hand. Rita was an RN and oh. a detective. And she said, I was in the ER this weekend working, and I was looking at the American Journal of Nursing. And by golly, there's an article there on the rape victim in the emergency room, our first article. And she said, I think the person... The nurse is on the East Coast. Why don't you look her up? So I'm sitting in my office one day, and my little research assistant's knocking on the door. I said, Anna, I'm busy. She said, got a phone call. I said, take it. She didn't move. <laughs> Anna. She said, it's the FBI. Mm. And I off. I thought, oh, my God, what did I do? What did I do? My income tax. What did I do? And it was the FBI. Have you ever gotten a phone call from him? It's, you know, no. <laughs> I never do. Well, I'll well, tell you. I'll, <laughs> it's very, it's, this is Special Agent Roy Hazelwood from the FBI Academy. Are you Ann Burgess? Oh, God. Yes. <laughs> Are you the Ann Burgess? The rope that, anyway. And they have this, I know it, they sit with a script. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you just, you see to do this. And so that they would, uh, you know, they invited me down to, to lecture. Wow. I've been lecturing on others, and I thought, well, why not, you mm -hmm. know? So go down to the episode. So that's what actually started. And so while I was down there, I met Hazel, um, Douglas, and Ressler. And by this time, I credit them, um, they had been 
told that they needed to do research. And if you watch the Netflix series, that's actually true. They uh, come up, Douglas and Ressler come up, and I meet with them. I was at BU at the time and uh, talk about And I said, you really got a book here. I mean, it was incredible what they were doing mm -hmm. uh, and going into the interview. So, but I said, it's got to be professionalized. I mean, it's, you're just going in and sitting down and talking right. to them. You're not taking notes. You're not doing it. I said, you've got to make it systematically uh, data, et cetera. And so that's how it really, it, it's, that's true. That's how it got started. Right. And um, so I helped them write, write lots of the, were you able to go in and do any of the interviews with him? Well, not at that time because you couldn't tape record at on their 36. They had done a bunch of them. But what I did is I gave them 57-page survey data sheet. So they had to go in and fill that out, and they had to go through the record so that we had to double-check. It wasn't just, well, tell me what you did. Right, the, right. Uh, they really had to back it up. So they had crime scenes. They had psychologicals, and, and I have those uh, a lot of those files. What we did tape record were the uh, profiling group. See, this was the start of profiling, yeah. and just we wanted to see if we could write that up and explain it so mm -hmm. we could be taught. Mm -hmm. So we did tape record. They would tape record, and we got those all transcribed. I've done nothing with those. Those haven't been, um, if I get to it, I hope, I've, I've got one case ready, but <clears throat> that was the, um, so it was really twofold. It was to do the 36 killers, which we had the uh, patterns and motives, mm -hmm. sexu uh, only sexual homicide. So they gave you a list of 36, or these are the 36 you guys put together? Oh, no, there was about, I looked at, I, I still got all the data. It was a list of about, I want to say about 80. Um, some of them were mass killers, some of them were, um, but we wanted serial sexual. Mm -hmm. That hadn't, that, that was the no apparent motive. They couldn't figure out the motive. And okay. we knew that had to have some sexual part to it. Yeah. So because of my background with the victims, see, they need, and they, if you notice, they start out with the victimology. Yeah. They know that's the most important part. Yeah. It's fascinating. So that's how it all started. Yeah. The rest is history. Yes. Now you're teaching forensic nursing here. Yeah. That's quite when I went to Penn, I was at Penn for 17 years, and I started all of the forensic pieces there. We did victimology, forensic science, mm -hmm. and forensic mental health. And then when I came here, I just picked it up again. Are you having a lot of nurses in the program? Yeah, but it's open to the whole university. Again, I want them, I want the nursing to mix in with other mm -hmm. disciplines, disciplines here. Mm -hmm. So we have mm -hmm. management, we have um, all of Morrissey, all of the arts and science, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's good. It's a good mix. Yeah. It's yeah. I could probably talk to you for the next 40 years about yeah. this. <laughs> so what I'm doing now is uh, just doing talking on Mindhunter. I've uh, just analyzed. Uh, we had 36. I found data on 14 uh, that they had uh, uh, dissected or dismembered or mutilated their victims. So the question is, we murdered them. Why did you go the one extra yeah, right. and have to go and I mean, Kemper was a little disturbing, I'm not going to lie. That's yeah. what he was doing with his mom. Yeah. He <laughs> didn't like, do it to his grandparents, though. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah. I, I finally figured out the gun. I mean, it was no big, big thing. But the gun is, he loved his gun. When he went to his grandparents' farm, he got a twenty-two, and he was supposed to just shoot gophers. Right. Because mm -hmm. they have gophers in, in North California. And that's when he comes back, and because I, I just read the transcript, 
the grandmother, her name was Maud, had a 17-acre farm. <laughs> I know. And she was proofreading, sitting at the kitchen table, proofreading her uh, a children's book. And he comes in, and he's got that strange look on his face. I don't know if it's the glasses or the eyes, but... I know. He is strange. And um, he says, I'm going to go out and shoot gophers. I'm going to go out shooting. And she said, you better not shoot birds. He goes out the door. He turns around. He shoots her right in the back of the head. What? Shoots her three more times. She told him not to do something, and he was just... Yeah. And then kills the grandfather when he comes home. Mm -hmm. But then they, you know, it's fascinating how he was at the facility and he took <laughs> that, the buffalo or something. He was at a Tascadera, yeah, he was their little psychology intern. And then he's out at 21. Yeah, but they, they got to look at that. It wasn't the psychologist that said, they said he shouldn't be released. It was the state. Yeah. He was a juvenile. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he. I think they could have kept him in. Then he goes on with the, with the uh, six others, and then the mother felt that the mother was the key, mm -hmm. but her friend. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't no. make sense. And then when he gives himself up on one of the tapes, he says, it's a good thing because I was just thinking about mass shooting, just going out and killing you. So he's going to be a mass shooter. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, and I have a quote from an, another uh, serial killer that said, this is an interesting was one. Was it just not enough for them? They felt like they just had to do more? It's what's in them. They know that they've got the killing fantasy. They know they're going to kill. This was a kid, he said, I daydreaming all the time. They should have, it was on every report card. Why? And they never said anything. He says, I would sit in school and think of shooting the whole class up. So it's in their heads. Mm -hmm. That's the, the, the issue from a prevention standpoint. We have got to do it. And it's in all of these cases. So you... With the mass shootings you're seeing today, yeah, the amount that we're seeing today, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think it's a mental health issue? Do you think it's a gun issue? Do you? I think it's a head issue. It's in their head. They're going to do it, and right. and they they just use the gun, as that's the easiest way it to would do be it. Something else if they couldn't get a gun. Yeah, they would. Um, we've got those that dismember. You know, use a knife. Uh, we got the gangs that use machetes. Mm -hmm. So we it is easy. Very well. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, it's they're going to do it, and it has to be catching them first and finding out what's going on in their head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And why? Yeah, I just don't. I mean, I can't understand it, and it terrifies me. I have young children, of and every course. time I'm out, I'm thinking, "Oh my God, is, is somebody going to be in here that's going to?" Oh, lose of their course, mind? yeah. And the way they pick up their their victims and target their victims, it's they know how to spot the the. Um, the naive kid or whatever. It's really parents Did today. Did they have a common trait of victim that they went for? Like the, the, the killers yeah, the vulnerable. that women? Yeah, the vulnerable one. They what could they spot consider them. vulnerable? Like the that they can get away with it. The whole thing is to get away with it. That's it. I mean, the, the, like the one that goes in at a party, at Christmas party, and grabs the kid. How would they know that one and gets away with it? Get mm -hmm. the kid out of there. Yeah. It's crazy. It, it happens. The other thing is people don't know how to respond. People don't know how to respond. We, we haven't done perhaps enough with, what do you do if you see something? When should you step in? You know, so Are you going to get nothing. charged with something? So many people do nothing. Yeah, the Kitty Genovese case. Perfect example. Remember? she um, uh, That was uh, Kitty Genovese uh, worked in a, uh, a bar. 
and was just coming home at 2 o'clock in the morning, got in her car, but he had been watching her. Uh, I forget the name of the, the, of the killer. And he got her and literally killed people. She's screaming, and nobody does anything. Was he standing on the sidewalk? Yeah. Yeah, right And know. then gets her into uh-huh. the right. And one man opened the thing and said, shut up. Yeah. So it's always been called the bystander case of doing Even nothing. Even when somebody gets hurt. Yeah. We've had instances where, and I'm stopping helping. Everybody's just yeah. filming and watching. I mean, in the work that you do, I'm sure you hear things you should be listening for. I wonder if, if something could have prevented this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you may hear. Often we think that. That's part of what the show sure. is. Like, don't, yeah. don't ride a motorcycle with no helmet. Don't, yeah. don't go and do this. Please yeah. don't do that because it could have been prevented. Yeah. Or we should say what they should do. Yeah. Yeah. But nobody must do what they should do. <laughs> or like, or you know, people don't want to deny yeah. that it's going on. So, yeah. oh, it's And nurses, I think, are the best people to do it. Nurses have, uh, we have a, we the way we've been trained in terms of evidence, and I don't mean evidence, forensic evidence, mm-hmm. but how you look at something and how you document. And, and uh, I'm always uh, afraid on some of these cases where there's a lawsuit against a nurse or a hospital or something that uh, it's so tough on them mm. because we're so, I mean, I'm doing a case right now where I feel so bad for the nurse and I'm on the defense side. I'm going to see if we get somebody that got discharged and then went and killed, killed, uh, I forget who he killed, but anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wasn't going to ask, but I'm going to ask. The, I just finished season two. Mindhunter, and they just finished with the Atlanta child murders, which I remember having as a kid. On the Atlanta case? Yeah. Do you feel Wayne Williams was the guy? Well, of course, I know what John, I know what the position the agents took. And, and I mean, the they way they felt, filmed yeah. it, I think it leaves it, they did a very yeah. good job of like, yeah. it could have been him, but they were also kids. But the murder stopped. That's exactly what I said to my husband last night. When the murder stopped, it had to be him. <laughs> because they, they want, he wanted credit for it. And I would think if Wayne Williams got the credit, the real killer would have done another. Oh, there's one other thing. They can't stop. That's okay. what I've learned. They can't stop unless you stop them. They can't. And, so and they will tell you that. I'm glad I got stopped. Wow. Yeah. Ask, so, <laughs> yeah. So I do think he, but they never charged him with any of the bo- right, of right, which I was shocked about too. I just and I didn't. They didn't have the evidence. That would get they can't if they don't have the evidence. Did they do the part where John is coaching the def- uh, the prosecution team on how to interview him no. at in court? Did they? Uh, he got right. No. Yeah. I mean, that's a, maybe that's the backstory. Is he got the prosecutor got right up to him and said, I. And John had told him to say, I bet when you put your hands around his neck and whatever it was. And he burst out. And really? the jury saw this. Because he's so and, like they played him on the pointed right at John at the table and said, You did this. You profiler, you did this. That would be that, that that's the real <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's fascinating. Yeah, I, yeah. I literally probably talked about it. Yeah, they do as much of of how to handle the um the case in court you don't see that you know you think they just go and profile and, and but no that's they do the that's they one of the, the techniques the yeah that's one of the techniques so yeah. all right i have one last question for you because i know you have to well, i have class that's all right um <laughs> okay do you have any questions you want to ask no i think you had them all i know i'm kind of sitting here like i'm oh, sorry anyway <laughs> let's go for a drink i have so much i want to ask <laughs> 
Um, we wrap. Do, do we have anything else we want to ask? Because this will be like the wrap up question. All right. Anything else about nursing you want to? Well, do you have any funny nursing school stories? Like, we, you know, we, we, that's one of our first episodes is our oh, nursing first. school stories. Yeah. Um, funny things that happened to us while we were in nursing school. A lot of funny things happen. Um, <laughs> I'll never forget. <laughs> that's already a big story. <laughs> an OB nurse, right? You know, and I'm going in and the two RNs had to go to lunch, right? So they leave me and Margie, my nursing colleague, alone. And all of a sudden, Margie says, I, I think you better come here, Penny, and take a look. And I said, oh, my God, it's a precipitant delivery. You better go tell the nurses. And You're the nurse. We could just see this. The baby's head, and with all this black hair, is the baby's head. Oh, my God. So you were, like, catching the baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of amazing, though. I always say the moment somebody comes in, and the moment Have you ever leaves, done that? I've Seen never. I've done, we've done. They probably don't do it anymore. They, they probably. So the moment the baby comes out, they lose me. So I'm, so, if I'm oh, the you, yeah. I'm like, oh, look at the baby. And they're asking for a stitch. I'm like, uh -huh. oh, yeah. look at the baby. <laughs> they lose me immediately. So. I should tell you some of my stories if you're if you're in the OR of the anesthesiologist, William um, by Myoski out in California, who was sexually assaulting patients during surgery. No, but that's a new episode. And it was and it was <laughs> during um, surgery. During surgery. And a circulating nurse saw it, reported it to her supervising nurse, mm -hmm. who reported it to the surgeon. And guess what the surgeon said? She's seeing things. Well, she me? sure was seeing things. What right? year would this have been around? Oh, this is a Recently? case. I wrote this case up, yeah. So what happened is nothing happened. Mm -hmm. So the nurses weren't to be dissuaded. So they started collecting the green... Uh, um, the drapes. What do you call it? Um, drapings. Mm -hmm. And got stains. Took it to. I'm speechless. Yeah, and took it to, and, and sure enough, it was semen stains. And his. I'm speechless. His, oh, but, but they all, you need to know this, they all have an explanation. Oh, yeah. You okay. just have to be open minded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he said, I never did it during serious surgery. Oh. oh it was so, just, so it's okay. It was only a. It was only that's a, right. Neighbor, they were having varicose veins yeah. fixed or something like that. But, and, and as you described it, they. I don't think they do this anymore. They had the big screen. Mm -hmm. You used to have just the head showing and the big screen. Mm -hmm. So he's sitting at the head of the patient. And one of the nurses saw him jiggling up and down. Oh, I, yeah, I don't I even can't. know what to say. No. That's <laughs> the craziest story. The other thing is um, we talked to some of his patients and because the nurses in the, um, in the recovery room said the patients were saying these strange things. So were the patients like completely intubated or were they yeah. like just sedated? Would they have, so were they remembering this? Well, I'm going to tell you. Oh, See, yeah, See they would I'm say these things about, they started having these sexual, uh, something sexual, and they kept saying, that's the medicine. Right. Medicine makes you have sexual fantasies. I didn't, and that's something new you'll learn. I never knew that. I never heard that. <laughs> and so, and they would wake up a strange taste in their mouth. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And they chalked it up to these women, all these women having sexual fantasies after surgery. It's got to oh be God. the medicine. I can't even know. I don't even I, know what to say. Well, that. they got them. And there have been a couple of other cases of, I've, I've done a couple of cases lately. I can tell you one that went on probably in the last two years out in, I want to say Utah or something. And it's a doctor's wife. And the doctor 
he wasn't there, but she was having like a foot, you know, something on her foot. Mm -hmm. And they saw the nurse, the the head nurse for the OR, mm -hmm. with his hands under the drapes. And they finally caught him. And when they, they did an interview, they said, we've been trying two years to catch him. Oh, my God. So and he was disturbing. fondling them under the... Oh this is a recent case. That's so disturbing. I can send you the, the, the newspaper account. Yeah. I would love it. Yeah. Because we're going to do an episode on this. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, I can send you the case. I, I have mean, to find that We've seen them. Uh, my girlfriend caught one of them injecting himself while he's giving anesthesia, like out. Yeah. We've had the anesthesiologists that have just had yeah. OD'd, you know, during a case. But yeah. Yeah, sexually yeah. assaulting them. This yeah, I'll look crazy. at my cases for you. Oh, but what's God. good about nurses is that they're going to... Like if they see something that they think is wrong, you're not gonna. That's right. It's like they, a job they kept the on it. Like, yeah. they, they kept on it. Just like this current case, they kept on mm -hmm. it, even though it was two years, which you think is horrible. But but people wouldn't have believed them. That's the thing. That's a problem. Proof. It still is. Yeah, you mm -hmm. have to have the proof. Mm -hmm. It's. I mean, you find like we deal with surgeons all the time. They yeah. can be really tough. Yeah. And so, it's usually the doctors will go to the nurse. So you do. You have to have the oh, yeah. proof to be like, yeah. no, you're wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, the Myofsky case is a good example. And he went to jail, and I think he's out now. I'm sure he's out. They probably didn't put him in too long. But he got to a lot of victims. Oh, my God. And how do you console somebody like that? I mean, you're right at your most vulnerable in surgery. Well, right. the hospital and the nurses and the doctors all got sued. Oh, yeah. And the hospital lost its license. I mean, I could send it, you know, it, it's, um, we'll so they had, to <laughs> they had to recover, they, you know, they had to recover a lot mm -hmm. to, to get out from under that. And the California nurses, I think, did do something. I can't remember. I said and put some policy in place or something. That's insane. That's insane. Some, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, my oh. hospital cases. You know, we were trying to think of cases we want to talk about because Richard Speck's one that I'm always fascinated by doing. He's in season one of it. Did you read any of his transcripts? And I mean, the I, which one? The one who killed the nurses in Chicago. Oh, Speck, uh, Richard Speck. Yeah, I have. We have all. I have all the cases. Yes. Yeah. Too. You know what his comment was? He never was good at math. He lost count. Oh my God. They all. I mean, this is their. I mean, that poor woman. She went back. You never. Know She's been on television. Yeah. Has she? she has been. It was, it's been very interesting. Yeah, because it's been a while. I, I can't, can't imagine being under that bed. Yeah, and and the reason. Yeah, I know, and and they're all getting. Yes. I have all the crime scenes on that one. You know, and, and I, I, I don't, like, it's really easy to sit back when you weren't in the room, but I yeah. think, God, there were eight of you, and right. you just waited. You turned, I don't... Well, they came in one at a time. Don't forget. I, I don't know the real details. Um, they were, they kind of lived in this house, mm -hmm. and as they got off duty, they would oh, come. Oh, he was grabbing them as they came and in. And he got them as they came in. Yeah, they all weren't there. Oh, I thought there was like one group of them. No, 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 no. And then he tied them up and put them in one. And the only, I don't mean only, but he raped one and uh, just killed the others. Unbelievable. Just for no reason. But, but it was the nurse that got him, the nurse of uh, the Amon. Um, Armadayo, I think her name was, and she had seen his uh, tattoo. Mm -hmm. um, Where he's hell of one to be wild. Yeah, it was something. Yeah, and got, that got out on the to the media, and the doctor, he tried to kill himself. Too bad he didn't succeed, yeah, right? But anyway, the doctor saw the tattoo and called the police. 
So that was a good example of how nursing. Nurses do a lot of interesting things. I'm, I'm doing at the IAFN a case of a serial killer, and I found the nurse that did the, uh, on the one victim that survived. He had killed two little girls, then he killed a, a petty officer, and the medical examiner said it was undetermined. She's in her closet, pulled up with a pillowcase over her head, and they tried to say it was undetermined. Who would go into a closet? Put a pillowcase on <laughs> Luckily, NCIS was involved and got involved. But what the nurse did on the victim that survived is she took the photo, and one earring was off, and one was on, and they matched the earring. Oh. I mean, that was great. It's, it is. It's That's just right. it's the And another case that it's the detail. Mm -hmm. Another case where on a, a child that had been uh, buckled in, uh, it was a, a suit against the car as in a terrible accident. But the nurse took a picture that showed that his. They tried to say he wasn't buckled into his seatbelt, but she took the. He had the belt mark. But the other one on the rape study that I did in those days, they used to do the look under the microscope right there to see if there's any mm -hmm. sperm. That's all they were looking for. And one nurse said, I'm going to find one. And she did and made the case. Wow. Found awesome. one. Yeah. Awesome. That's it all you need is one. Yeah. yeah. Just, I think nurses so, approach it at a different way. Yeah. And nurses, uh, nurses need to know that their whole background and training is preparing them for whatever mm -hmm. field that they go into. Yeah. You know, we, as, as OR nurses, we don't get a ton of contact with our patients. Yeah. But I always say it's really important five I tell yeah. the people we train them it's important five minutes yeah because they're going to sleep they need to know you are going to take care of them that's right and it's so important five yeah. minutes with them everybody goes through some kind of surgery at some time in yeah. their life so you, you, your, your work is very very important yeah um I think my last question for you is you're on death row you get one meal left What's your death row meal? <laughs> My death row meal? Yeah, I mean, I'm tuning into a casserole. She's skeddies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It's the hottest question. I did. I mean, That's you can't question. have, it's going to be a last meal. <laughs> no one's asked for this. It's not <laughs> Fried clams. Oh, that's oh, a good one. That's a good that's one. Like, I like fried clams. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. That's good Thank you. Thank you very okay, much. good luck we with it. When do, when do you so do much. this? When do you put this on? You rather get lonely, you want to go out for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so as Amber just, just told you, she helped to develop all sorts of profiles for all sorts of different criminals and crimes and what have you. But as we were talking to her, she said, what case are you going to talk about? And we were like, well, and, you know, we had an idea. And she's like, well, I think you should do this fetal abduction case and talk about and that. And just like nursing school, we're like, okay, yep, that's yep. what we're doing. Sure. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, so we decided to focus on her work with infant and fetal abductions and how she helped um, create the profile for an infant fetal abductor and help develop protocols to keep people safe, safe in the hospital. I'll tell you, like, she gave us ideas for many episodes. Oh, yeah. And I swear, I want to do, like, a Tuesdays with Maury or with her and just go in every week and be like, okay, what are we going to talk about today, know. you know? She, she was um, awesome. She was, it was a great interview. I can't thank her enough yes. for meeting with two unknown nurses. I know. Um, and so that were kind us. of starstruck. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. So if I sound like a complete goofball in the interview, it's, yeah. A, we don't interview, except for five minutes, like, you know, do you have any allergies and what metals are in right. your body? That's my five-minute interview. Um, we're not interviewers, but we were a little bit starstruck, and mm -hmm. I just, I wanted to pick her brain on everything, so I kind of 
hijacked the interview a little bit. That's okay. Right. So um, hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Yes. And we will catch up with you next week where we're going to get into fetal and infant abduction. Yes. Yep. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.